I was, last week we were, we started with the, I have a story, okay? And uh, I, I, I got about a third of the way through it. <laughs> uh, but, which is not unusual, that's why Cliff says two more months for two chapters. <laughs> so, um, but it's, it's interesting how that we think of stories and we think of events. And of course, we, we went over the life of Joseph. And, and, you know, whenever you think about this life of, of Joseph, you know, it's kind of an exemplar, it is an exemplary life. But one of the things is, is you look at him and he's a, he's a favorite son. You know, he, he is, he's just a good guy. And he comes from, his mother is one of Abram's uh, favorite wives. So uh, he has this favorite position. But his brothers don't like him. Even dad gave him, gave him a coat of many colors and he had these dreams and his brothers were going to bow down to him. And of course, you know, imagine going to your siblings and telling them they're going to bow down to you someday. I don't know about you, but my brothers wouldn't have taken to that very easily. <laughs> they were all bigger and older than me, so um, I, wouldn't, they would, I would not have brought that up to them. So Joseph was in that position where he had all older brothers, and except one that, was, um, one that was younger. But whatever he is, and, and the, the idea is you know, we know that he's thrown in a pit and his brothers are going to leave him there to die, but they ended up selling him as a, a slave and he goes into Egypt. Now, the, the challenge is, when we think of the life of Joseph, he had many opportunities to become negative, become bitter, to become angry, because here he is taken out of his privileged state of relationship with his father and in his community, and he is sold as a slave. And now a slave has no rights, <laughs> he, you know, so there's no way he's ever going to be able to get out of that position. So he makes the best of it. He rises to the, being the, the head of Potiphar's house. And Potiphar was a very influential man in, that, in, in the um, empire, the Egyptian kingdom. So Potiphar's wife frames him. <laughs> he, he goes to jail. Now, not only are you a slave, but you're an imprisoned slave with no rights. There is no two, three years and you get out on parole. No, he's in there for life. Because... Potiphar's wife says, you know, lied about him, and so there he is. Now, you have, you're a slave, and you're in prison, and you have, you have a lifetime of prison. So let's get bitter, let's get angry, let's get upset. No, Joseph works himself to be the head of the prison. He figures out how the prison can make money, and he's doing that, and then he has the dream, the dream of the butler and the baker, and he interprets their dreams, and now he's going to be remembered. No, he's forgotten again. Be angry, become bitter. You see, the story isn't necessarily about Joseph. The story is about God and God in Joseph's life. So Joseph is, is in the, so for, if we think about what is our story, what is you, your story, each of us have a story. You know, I've um, had the privilege of doing uh, two funerals in the last week, and I have another one tomorrow. And often I, I speak about how that the, the person who is in the, that is deceased and everybody that is there listening and seated, I, I say, you have a line a timeline to the person who is deceased. And all of your memories and all of your uh, relationship with that person is on that timeline. That's your story with that individual. And everyone that is seated has a timeline to that individual. 
And that's your story. So the story of the relationship. Good, bad, whatever, it's the story of your relationship. So here we are in our life, going through our life experiences, and what is the story of our relationship with Jesus Christ as we go through all of these difficult places? What is the story of Joseph's life as he goes through all of these difficult places? He remembers God. Now, he doesn't have the scriptures that we have. He doesn't have the Ten Commandments. He doesn't have any of that. He just has an understanding that his father believes in a God who created the universe, <laughs> and he knows that his father, what his father's beliefs are. And so he believes that God is with him. And we see the hand of God moving in Joseph's life. Now, the first scripture I have is James 1.19. It says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak <laughs> and slow to become angry. Now, we would think, oh, that's some good advice. Yes, it is. Do you know why? Because we don't know the end of the story. Often, whenever we are most upset, we're in the middle of the story. <laughs> you know? Uh, one guy said to a well, woman, says to her husband, man says to his wife, make your choice. I'm not picking on anyone this morning. <laughs> you know, roll up the window, your mouth's flapping in the breeze. You know? <laughs> that doesn't apply to anyone that I know. I'm just saying, you know. But anyhow, we, ha we have people that will talk before they think. You know, sometimes that, you know, you be with people who have no filter. You know, they just have no filter. And they can just take off. He will, where on earth did they come from? Well, anyhow, be slow to speak because you don't know the end. And what the, the challenge for us is, we believe in a God. We believe that God is with us and the situations we're in a process of becoming. And even though we're in a place that doesn't feel like it's a good place, a prisoner, a slave in Egypt, it's not a good place. Then being in prison in a slave in Egypt, it's even a worse place. But God makes a difference. So we're looking for the hand of God, not, not in the circumstances, not the circumstances. Well, we've been um, talking about the last, well, maybe since March, April, we, we started praying for a couple of individuals in Springfield, Missouri. And I came across uh, one of the testimonies of this individual in Springfield who had COVID and his life-death experience. And I wanted Rhonda, she's going to read it because you hear me all the time, so she's going to read it. And, and, I, and I, it goes in with this idea that we all have a story. Each of us have a story. Now, we think our story is not that interesting. Nope. Our story is our story. It is what it is. So we allow God to see God in the story. for and that was one of the things when no one was here with us except for the the group of us that were putting it together um, the service together and live streaming um, one was Greg Mundus who is the world's missions um, director 
who was very, very stricken with COVID very early on and suffered, you know, great consequences, but praise God, he's back at work in Springfield. Everything's fine. The second that we prayed for was Thomas Carpenter, also a missionary. And he was a missionary with Compassion Link, which ministers to um, people with disabilities. So let me just talk to you about, or read to you, Thomas Carpenter's story. Thomas Carpenter couldn't move, couldn't open his eyes, and he was having trouble figuring out why. Despite the paralysis, he wasn't panicky. In fact, he felt perfect peace. He decided the prayers were the reason for his calm. He listened attentively at first. He heard just one or two voices, but soon the prayers began to multiply. In some voices, he understood praying in English with assured faith. Others offered only hints of meaning in languages he had encountered during his missionary travels, but he had never learned to use himself. And then there were the languages he immediately recognized as heavenly. Voices praying in tune with the Holy Spirit's prompting. In words found in no human tongue, but vibrant and alive with providential intent as he continued to listen to the multitude of voices. He thought back to a favorite passage, passage in Revelation where the apostle, uh, the apostle John spoke of a voice of many waters. Then from among the chorus of intercessors, Thomas heard a cherished voice praying for him specifically. It was his wife, Angela. It was like the Lord just dropped a microphone in front of her, and I heard her say, Lord, would you please heal my wonderful husband, Thomas? I need him. Had Thomas been able to open his eyes that day, there would have been no praying throng to greet him. No Pentecostal camp meeting raising the rafters. The ICU unit wing at um, Cox Medical Center in Springfield, Missouri is kept deliberately very quiet. Thomas Carpenter was unable to move or see because he was in a medically induced coma. He was breathing in cadence with a ventilator and the doctors and nurses supervising his care were unsure that he would recover from the coronavirus. But they were doing their best to, the, the coronavirus was doing its best to paralyze the lungs. But they couldn't hear the prayers. Special touch. Prayer has always been interwoven with Thomas and Angela's ministry as children evangelists in the 1990s, they encouraged their young audiences at countless churches and district camp meetings to draw close to God, voicing to him their most cherished dreams and greatest fears. The Heavenly Father hears the heart's cry of all his children from weathered saint to the truly young. In God's timing, the carpenters discerned a new ministry, focus when a close friend, a pastor whose daughter had spina bifida, invited them to speak at a camp for people with disabilities, special touch ministries. 
We went and it changed our lives, Thomas said. We saw young people with mental and physical disabilities filled with the spirit. When you see someone with Down syndrome speaking in other tongues and another one giving the interpretation, and that interpretation is right on, it really changes your outlook. In time, Thomas was asked to join the national leadership team for Special Touch, and Angela was appointed director of women's ministries for the USAG Arkansas District. In 2012, they had an opportunity to share the Special Touch experience with churches in South Africa, and by their third trip to Africa, they began to explore the possibility of becoming world missionaries. Since 2018, they have been serving the disability community, community internationally with Compassion Link. AGWM, that's Assembly of God World Missions, <laughs> for those who may not know that, ministry arm that partners with missionaries and local churches to create and restore healthy communities. The next heading is COVID's Grip. The first weekend in March, we were on a ministry trip with Compassion Link, and March 6th was my first day not to feel well. Angela said, says, I endured my extreme headache and weakness. Thomas's symptoms started four days later and came on hard and fast, and he was having trouble breathing. By Friday, March 13th, Angela knew she had to get her husband to the emergency room. Even then, she was unaware of the deeper implications of Thomas's symptoms. After an initial interview with a CDC team member, they were allowed to go home with medication and were scheduled for COVID tests on Monday. By the time the tests confirmed they were both COVID positive, Thomas was beginning to decline rapidly. Angela rushed him back to the hospital that Wednesday, deeply concerned, but still believing a solution would emerge in the short run. I thought, okay, a couple of nights, he'll get some oxygen and meds and feel better and come home, she remembers. Two nights turned into more than a month on a ventilator. The doctor told me they were literally writing the book on how to treat COVID with Thomas's case because there was no history to say how a white 55-year-old male would respond. Thomas remembers the medical team members being at a loss as to how he could be assisted to breathe. They said, we've got you on 100% oxygen and your blood oxygen level is still in the low 80s. We can't get it any lower, he recalls. So I called Angela in the early morning hours of March 19th and told her they were going to move me to ICU. I asked her to call my dad, my brother and sister, and my dear friend, Pastor Wade Mom, in Florida. She called them and got them praying. And they mobilized more troops to pray and got people from around the world praying for me. Prayer's priority. Only after he emerged from his coma and began extensive in-hospital um, rehabilitation did Thomas learn of the scale of intercession offered in his behalf. Facebook and other social media outlets became highways for repeated requests from his family and friends and for assurances of prayer support as well as written prayers and words of prophecy by the thousand. And while the internet silently conveyed the data, 
Heaven saw fit to broadcast it loud and clear directly to Thomas, experiencing what he described as a stadium full of praying Christ followers, punctuated by his wife's plea. Thomas says he began to sense his own commitment to pull, pull through and reach for healing. It kept me from having one foot in heaven and one on earth and made me realize I needed to get both feet on earth so I could take care of my wife again. He says, Thomas carried the memory of those prayers into consciousness as his medications were reduced and he was weaned off the ventilator. A final confirmation of God's direct intervention came to light when we went home and shared his experience with Angela, who was never allowed in his quarantined room and had faithfully prayed for him from a distance. She almost melted when I told her about her prayer for me, Thomas said. And when he recited it to me, Angela says, I was so shocked that it was word for word what I had prayed. I was like, I said those exact words. He said, I know you did. I heard you. Thomas and Angela both feel they have gained a deeper understanding of the power in prayer. When people say, oh, all, all I can do is pray, they really are not understanding the significance of that prayer, Thomas says. Those prayers are being poured out continually before the throne of God, and God hears them. He hears them whether they're whispered in silence or cried out or shouted, and they all sound the same to the Lord. Your prayers are not useless. They're not bouncing off the ceiling. You may not see the answer to your prayer immediately because I sure didn't. I was in the hospital a lot longer after I heard those prayers, but your prayers are effective. When you commit to pray, know that your prayers are effective. The miracle touches so much more than Thomas's healing from COVID. Redemption continues throughout my whole life, Angela insists. With every situation I face, if we willingly give Christ our sickness, our pain, our worry, our grief, and disappointment, and the list goes on, our Lord Savior always gives us something better in return. His mercies, his courage, his strength, healing and contentment, and that list goes on as well. I am continuing to learn to engraft into my everyday life the truth that Jesus wants to redeem every difficult situation I face. Redemption is to be a daily experience, not just a one-time prayer of salvation. And the carpenters agree their mutual brush with COVID has given them deeper insight into the daily challenges of the people they are committed to serve through Compassion Link. Thomas will be able to look at our friends with disabilities on some level. I say, I've been there. I know what it's like, Angela says, and I'm grateful I can relate on a small level to being a caregiver, the families providing long-term care for their loved one. <laughs> Everyone has a story. And we don't always see how that story is going to turn out. We don't understand the whole process of what's going on in the story. But as 
this individual experienced, um, God, had, God was with him and God challenged him and spoke to him and this, whole, and this whole situation. But the story isn't about Thomas. The story is about God through Thomas. Stories about God and Joseph. Your story is about God and you. And you see that the importance is that we don't get caught up in, in ourselves that, you know, comparing ourselves to someone else, I'm better than, worse than. No, it's about God being in us and with us. You know, God lets us know, this is Ephesians 1, 9 and 10, God lets us know his secret purpose. <laughs> he lets us know the mystery of his will. This is, was what God wanted, and he planned to do it through Christ. His goal was to carry out his plan when the right time came, that all things in heaven and on earth would be joined together in Christ as the head. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So we find that these, these stories, these um, situations, these scriptures, these events that take place in our lives, you know, we don't have to understand them. <laughs> you know, we don't have to understand the why. We need to understand that God is with us. And in that, we are offering our prayers because our prayers make a difference. And this individual was able to hear like a stadium full of people. He was able to hear these prayers of people all over the world because of the connections that he had. And whenever people pray, there are people that are just awakened. And, and you know, uh, just was this morning, I just, boom, I woke up at three o'clock. And it's like, so it's like this urgency. So you pray. You pray for whatever it is, and you don't know what it is, and you ask God to intervene for these individuals for whom you pray. And you don't know why, but God quickens that, awakens you. You know, it was just like sound asleep, and boom, you're wide awake, and there's this urgency, okay, we've got to pray for somebody. And you, you pray for them, and you believe that God hears your prayer, and God awakens his children, you know, that we pray for people, the, even though we don't even know. And the Holy Spirit is doing that, awakening us not only from sleep, but awakening us during the day. Oh, so-and-so, I got to pray for them. You know, whenever we uh, are upset, be slow to speak. <laughs> Don't get upset because God isn't finished yet. And so we continue to place it in God's hands. And in our own lives, we need to be willing to see that God has a purpose. <laughs> God has a plan. See, when we tell our story to others, when we give our, call it our testimony to others, they, and we do so with a boldness and with a declaration, you know, we, we don't understand this, and I, it's not theolo we didn't, they, he didn't delve in, delve, dive into <laughs> the theology of God and all that. He just spoke about his experience. And you know, whenever we talk about our experience, we don't have to have all the answers. And people can say, well, what about this? I don't know, but this is what I experienced. This is what went on in my heart. And this is what I know. So you see, we speak our story with boldness. And it encourages those who are struggling. <laughs> you see, the story that we, she read, you know, can you imagine you know, reading that story? Those who are in, hosp in the hospital, those who are 
struggling with COVID and all the things going on, we know that God will see us through. And we find that when we give our story, our testimony, that people with similar feelings and similar situations will find encouragement that God did it for you. He can do it for me. So no matter how hard our situation is, no matter what our relationships are, and no matter what season may be coming or going, we are allowing God to speak to our heart and to speak through us by giving our story. You know, our, this morning in Sunday school, we did chap, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemning spirit to those who are in Christ. Our, the, con, the condemning spirit would say, your story's, you know, it's not that good. <laughs> you didn't know. You, don't, you, don't have, you never had that. You never had that. We're not talking about what we never had. We're talking about where, how God has been with us where we are. The second one is, we are, our story, your story, is a testament of God's faithfulness. God is faithful to his children. He will watch over us and keep us. And so whenever we share our story, share our testimony, it's less about us and it's more about God. That was always the hard thing. You know, when people testify, you know, I hear people, I remember back in the 60s, <laughs> a long time ago, some of you weren't born. Many of you weren't born. <laughs> Probably no one was born. <laughs> okay. But anyhow, you know, there was a big drug thing going on. That's when the drugs were coming out and, you know, colleges and campuses and all that. And Teen Challenge was really up and starting then. And, you know, had these people come in. They talk about their testimonies of deliverance from drugs and from alcohol and how that God had done this and God had done that. And you'd sit there and say, wow, that's quite a testimony. And you say, well, what has God done? What have I got? I don't know. I was raised on the farm. Um, went to church even before I was born <laughs> in my mother's womb. Okay, you know, so you, you go on and on. And I, just, I was in church every Sunday, well, mostly Sunday night, Wednesday night. I was in church. You know, it's like, okay, where's your testimony? <laughs> well, it's not about what went wrong in my life. It's about how God kept you in your life. The story isn't about us or about me or about you. The story is about God just as it was with Joseph, just as it was with this individual who had COVID. It's about God. It's about God's keeping power and God's healing power. So therefore, we never allow ourselves to sink into that condemning state of this is, you know, is it the devil? Is it this one? No, we focus on God. Allow God to receive the glory from our testimony and what goes on. Third, your story is an example that you didn't give up. So sharing your story then lets people know that you, know, you just didn't give up. Joseph didn't give up. What if Joseph, after he's been forgotten in prison, what if he gave up, threw in the towel, became angry and bitter and sat in a corner and said, I'm not going to do any more for this prison ministry, <laughs> this prison life. You know, I brought these people success and I built a prison that people will listen and they'll, they, they make money and they're, they're productive citizens and I, what, do I, what did I get out of it? I'm done. He would have missed his calling. 
the divine opportunity that was yet coming. And in our lives, we don't give up because there's a divine coming, the divine opportunity coming. Well, what if it doesn't come this week or this year or this decade? <laughs> See, it's, not about, it's about trusting, about knowing that God is with us. So your story, our story is an example. You know, um, when we came here years ago, uh, well, we've been here 40 years. <laughs> What's that? More than 40. It'll be 41 in February. Uh, but anyhow, when I came here, you know, the average length of pastors staying in community, and even in Wimber, was three to five years. Well, since I've been here and so on, the ministers that have become our friends and so on, they've stayed 15, 20 years. Now, I don't know if it's because I, you know, stayed or whatever, but it seems to have, you know, the, the, the pastors seem to have this expectation of, of having a longer, serving a congregation a longer period of time in a, in a community. You know, in most communities, it doesn't exist that way. But in this one, it does, and it's, you know, maybe, you know, it's God's story working in our life and this community of not only serving the church, but serving the community. So we all have a story. If God helped you overcome an uncomfortable or difficult part of your life, he will do the same for the next person. But if we don't hear it, it's hard for us to think it. But if I hear it, I now can say, well, God did that for them. Maybe he can, he, he can do the same for me. Your story gives thanks to the Lord. Whenever we're talking about our relationship with God, it's not about us, it's about God. And sometimes I remember I used to think that, that uh, people give, it's about them. They're just, you know, they're glorifying themselves. They're just telling their story. And, you know, and, you know, sometimes you hear people talking and all that, and you know them, and it's like, that's not true. <laughs> you know, so, you, you, you know, it's like you doubt sometimes what people are saying, but it, it doesn't matter. If they're, it's, it's like, this is God's story. This is God's story in my life. And if someone else isn't telling the truth, if they're embellishing all this stuff, that's their problem. Our, res our responsibility is to tell our story with truth and understanding because somewhere in here in all of this, it's supposed to help people want to, be, want to have a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the whole point of the story, of the knowledge, of the teaching, all that is to inspire us. The Holy Spirit inspires us to take another step forward in our relationship with Christ that we are to have a deeper relationship with Jesus because it's about Jesus. It's about his spirit and his love, his forgiveness, his righteousness, his glory. Holy, holy, holy. You know, it's about him. And we overcome. We overcome the difficulties by the word of our testimony the blood of the Lamb, and the word of our testimony. It is your story. The blood of Jesus Christ and your story of how that blood, the blood of Christ, the blood of relationship, the blood of forgiveness has cleansed you from all unrighteousness. And it's his blood and your story 
that spreads the good news of Jesus Christ and creates inside of us, inside of others, there is hope in Christ. And last, your story will influence. God will use your story in a pos- to have a positive impact on the lives of others. You know, it even, even when I was putting this together, it talked about that your story will have an impact upon other generations. You know, you know what my thought was there? Yeah, sure. <laughs> but you know what? Think about Joseph's life. His story, what, 3,000 years ago, still impacts your life. I remember, I've told this about, I was going to the cemetery and we had, and our, my mother would talk about the, the one lady who was buried in the cemetery that we didn't go visit because, and she was lived, died in the early 1900s, you know, 1905, somewhere in there. She had five, six kids and she was never married. All to different men. And my mom says, well, we don't, you know, she wasn't a very good lady. And I said, mom, Look what happened when God came into our family. You see, when God comes into a family, into your life, it affects and affects generations, up to a thousand generations, the Bible says. You see, we have broken, (laughs) I think of it, we often, people talk about the, the curse, the generational curse, you know. The generational curse is, from my perspective, is a learned behavior in which we keep passing it on to our, our children and our grandchildren, and we keep passing it on and imparting and, and, and that spirit to them. But a generational blessing is that we have broken the curse. Jesus Christ has broken that learned behavior, and he has given us a new life in Jesus Christ, and we now have a new story. We have our story to tell of Jesus Christ and how he has forgiven us and his righteousness has been given to us that we might be faithful to him and that his righteousness and we are justified before God because it's just as if I had never sinned that Christ has washed away my sin. (laughs) So you see, God will use your story to positively impact others. Who knows how far it will go down the family line, through the, through the community, through the neighborhood, through the people we work. You see, today, we are to challenge ourselves to talk about our story and to talk about it in a way that brings glory to God. Since God has come into our family, God has come into my life, God has forgiven me of my sins. It changes who I am. It changes how I see things. And I don't get all worked up and disturbed. Well, sometimes. (laughs) But we understand that God is in charge. And we allow God to bring us peace. So, Joseph, betrayed and sold by his family, Thomas Carpenter, read the story of COVID and in a coma for a month on a ventilator. You see, our story is about how God keeps us, whether we're in a coma or whether we're just struggling with life. God will keep us. And our life will make a difference. 
Our life will be our testimony. Our life is God lived and God breathed. And we are who we are for a purpose. And God has a plan for us. So we don't give up. We don't quit. We know that we get up one more time. We keep looking for God, trusted God. And just like Joseph, when it all falls apart, God has a plan. Work our, bring ourselves to the top and do it again. Then bring ourselves to the top in prison, do it again. Waiting for that divine moment for Joseph that he became second in command of Egypt. God has a plan. He has a purpose. Our story is about Jesus Christ and his impact on our lives. Amen? Father, we thank you that you hear our prayers. And God, you know who we are. You know, you made us inside and out. And Lord, sometimes we feel like our story is not that great. But Lord, when you touch our life, our life has an eternal perspective. And our testimony, our story, is very important to us and very important to you. So Lord, give us faith. You said if any of you lack faith, let him ask and ask that you will give it to us liberally. So, Lord, give us faith. Give us strength, O Lord, to trust you and to believe and to see beyond the difficulties and to see beyond even the good things that, that go on in our lives. See beyond them that, Lord, your plan and your purpose continues in, to live in and out through us. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers. And, Lord, for those who are ill, Jesus, just as this man was on the ventilator and Lord, there are families and friends that are ill. God, may they hear the prayers of your people. May they hear them, feel them. Lord, may your touch be upon them to raise them up and give them strength, Lord, and be with the doctors and the nurses and staff, Lord, no matter where people are. God, I pray for your healing touch to be upon them. For our desire, Lord, is that they be made well and that you, rise, you raise them up. We pray these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. It's your story. Part two. <laughs>